If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Jeff Burke, and I'm running for Iron County Sheriff. As many of you know, on September 22nd, Tuesday, we're going to have a special election. We're redoing the primary from August 4th. I won the August 4th primary, and I'm asking for your vote. I'm in Desart. This is where I raised my family. As many citizens of Iron County have seen throughout the county, we need a sheriff that's going to stand tall for you and stand proud for you and work hard. I'm Jeff Burkett again. I'm going to put the citizens of Iron County first. A vote for me is a vote for the people, law enforcement for the people. Thank you. This episode contains strong language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. We have another interesting story involving law enforcement out of the lead belt. It's not breaking news. It happened, you know, almost a week ago now. But uh, I have some more information on a story from Iron County, Missouri. The sheriff of Iron County and two of his deputies were charged with a series of felonies in what documents describe as a conspiracy to illegally arrest a mother and kidnap her child. It's a crazy story. Documents paint the picture of a plot by the officers to put a child or children into the custody of a man who is exhibiting abusive behavior. The documents say they tried to do this by illegally using surveillance technology to locate her whereabouts illegally using the state's database to determine what kind of vehicle she was driving, lying to other officers about the condition of the children, and sharing information such as the woman's whereabouts to the man she was trying to leave. I got my hands on the probable cause statements, and we'll get into the details of this story in just a moment. This is a story that has captured some national attention already, and it's just another story that involves law enforcement again, from the lead belt. Iron County is the county to the west of Madison County, where Fredericktown is the county seat, and where three cases we've talked about have taken place. In case you've missed those, that's the Durante Martin case, the Douglas Teal case, and the Timmy Dees cases. All of them involve deaths that look suspicious, but are not being investigated as homicides. On the morning that Timmy Dees was last seen last February... In fact, Timmy's friend Caleb Nanny was charged on Iron County warrants and taken to the Iron County Jail. The circumstances of that arrest, including which agency made the actual arrest and which agency transported Caleb, are unknown. Iron County has yet to fulfill a Sunshine Law request that Barb Hall submitted months ago. In fact, when Barbara Hall called Iron County to follow up on her request, and asked for the person who signed the request via certified mail. She was told there was no officer there by that name. These are issues we're working on behind the scenes at the Lawless Files. So I know we haven't posted any new content recently, 
But we're hoping to drop a full season of new episodes in the coming months. We appreciate your patience as we continue to collect information, report, write, record, and edit. In addition to these strange cases in Fredericktown, and trust me, there are more that we haven't gotten into, and this new one in Iron County, you might remember an episode I did a few months ago where three different officers with connections to the Potosi Police Department were charged with having sex with minors over a three-year period. Potosi is the county seat of Washington County, and Washington County is involved with this new case out of Iron County too because Washington County handles 911 communications for Iron County. But this isn't all. In February of 2021, a former Deloge police officer, Deloge is in St. Francis County, was charged with 14 counts of drug possession and one count of drug trafficking after an investigation found him in possession of meth, heroin, oxycodone, morphine, and other drugs. In September of 2020, the police chief in Leadwood, another St. Francis town, was charged with felonies of altering police reports and stealing a gun from the evidence locker. A week before that, the police chief in Iron Mountain Lake was charged with several felonies, those related to an alleged illegal police pursuit outside of his jurisdiction, and that pursuit led investigators to missing drug evidence at the Iron Mountain Lake Police Department. That chief was charged with felony possession of a controlled substance, two counts of stealing, a controlled substance, two counts of tampering with physical evidence in a felony prosecution, and misdemeanor stealing and false impersonation of a law enforcement officer. You go back a few years to 2011, and a former chief deputy in Washington County was sentenced to federal court for violating the civil rights of four former inmates of the Washington County Jail and two counts of lying to the FBI. Not only did he beat inmates, he arranged for inmates to beat up other inmates, rewarding them with cigarettes when they did. One of the inmates suffered a broken orbital bone. On top of that, the former chief deputy's daughter also worked in the prison, and she pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about her role in the beatings. Go back a little further, and you'll find that a Fredericktown police captain was charged for 16 counts of sex crimes against minors. Now, I'm not saying that these are all linked by some dark room cabal of dirty officers. What I am saying, though, is that these four counties with very little population have experienced a lot of controversy with many known examples of dirty cops. And most of these incidents were officers who were high-ranking officers in their respective departments. So let's talk about the Iron County arrest from last week. I'm your host, Bob Miller. You're listening to The Lawless Files. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This case was investigated by the Highway Patrol. Unlike the Fredericktown cases I've touched on, however, this case was not investigated by Troop E, which is based in Poplar Bluff. This was investigated by Troop C, which is to the north. Troop E has a cutoff line about Fredericktown. So this again, this is Troop C who has done this investigation. And all the information I'm about to share with you came from four probable cause statements filed with the courts by officers with the Highway Patrol. The three law enforcement officers who were arrested were Sheriff Jeffrey L. Burkett, Deputy Major Chase Bresnahan, and Deputy Matthew Kozad. The fourth man involved is Donald Ricky Gaston. The arrests were ignited over a 911 domestic abuse call on February 8th. I'm going to use a pseudonym for the alleged victim in this case. So Gaston and this woman who we will call Annie were engaged in a dispute when a 911 call was made from Gaston's residence in Caledonia, which is in Iron County. Dispatchers noted during the call that Deputy Gaston was, quote, physically aggressive, unquote, although the caller did not request medical services. A cell phone video recording was obtained by investigators, but the camera lens was blocked, meaning only audio was captured. The recording is about four minutes long. It's not clear whether the recording was made as part of the 911 communication or whether it was recorded separately and gathered separately. The probable cause does not make that clear. And I don't have a copy of the recording, but the PC statement explains that near the end of the recording, Gaston and Annie begin arguing over a bottle of liquor that costs $50. Gaston called Annie a, quote, fucking psycho, unquote, and repeatedly asked, what the fuck is wrong with you? To which Annie yelled, get out of my face. The recording captured the sound of a metal object hitting something. Annie yelled again, get out of my face. Then a juvenile girl intervened. She says, quote, touch her again and I swear to God I'll call the fucking cops, unquote. Then something interesting happened. Gaston then said, she just punched me in the face just before the recording came to an abrupt end. Law enforcement separated Gaston and Annie and she left with her 16-year-old daughter and 5-year-old child. Annie and her children stayed at a different place that evening. Audio recordings from the 911 call confirmed that three deputies arrived at the house at 6.40 p.m. These deputies are not deputies that were arrested. At 7.17, some 37 minutes after the 911 call was received, the deputies contacted dispatch center by radio and stated the parties had been separated and all officers were clear from the call and those officers immediately signed off duty for the evening. The next day, According to this PC statement, Annie contacted Iron County deputies to accompany her back to Gaston's residence so she could retrieve some personal items. Gaston was waiting there when they arrived and he refused to allow anyone to go inside. Annie left then to stay at a relative's home in Jefferson County to, quote, seek safe refuge from Rick Gaston, unquote. (laughs) 
next day, Iron County Deputy Major Chase Bresnahan applied for a warrant to the Iron County Prosecuting Attorney. The warrant requested felony charges against Annie for first-degree assault and first-degree endangering the welfare of a child. The prosecutor denied the warrants. Later that evening, the probable cause statement alleges that Iron County Sheriff Jeffrey Burkett contacted Washington County Dispatch to ping Annie's phone to discover her whereabouts with the stated goal of checking the well-being of Annie. Sheriff Burkett stated that Annie had fled the county with a child and referenced a court order that stated the father of the child should have been notified. Burkett stated the child was possibly injured and that Annie was possibly intoxicated. Sheriff Burkett provided Annie's cell phone number and also told dispatcher that he was with Rick Gaston. At 6.44 p.m., dispatch contacted Verizon Wireless and requested the ping. Phone ping searches, according to the PC statement, require certification to the cellular provider that there is, quote, immediate danger of death or injury to a person, unquote. Moments later, dispatch recorded a second ping location, which was given to Sheriff Burkett. That ping hit in Iron County. Two more pings were received and related to Burkett, then a fifth. The dispatcher told Sheriff Burkett that Annie might be headed back to her home. Burkett then stated, quote, I hope like hell she is because when I catch her, she's going to sit in my jail, unquote. Minutes later, Iron County Deputy Matthew Kozak contacted Washington County 911 and requested a mules inquiry to locate any vehicles registered to Annie. Mules stands for the Missouri Uniform Law Enforcement System. This is where officers can find things such as license plate numbers and match them up with vehicles, see whether they're stolen. Um, and then I, th there's just a lot you can do within mules. At 719, Pings made it appear that Annie was traveling on Missouri M toward Highway 21, which is in Washington County. So they're following her. Burkett told the dispatcher that he believed Annie was traveling to a relative's residence in Washington County. So the sheriff, who's following Annie's whereabouts, tells the dispatcher to tell the Washington County deputies to stop her. He wants her stopped at the entrance of the property and to not let her enter the property. He said, quote, Mr. Gaston is going to come up there and try to get his daughter, unquote. The dispatcher clarified the instructions and Burkett responded, yeah, just park at the entrance. Don't go onto the property. Dispatcher paused, then Burkett said, That's at Mr. Gaston's request. <music> Mr. 
Mr. Gaston is not a law enforcement officer. Clearly the sheriff is. But the sheriff is telling the dispatcher that this is what Mr. Gaston wants. Dispatcher asked Sheriff Burkett if he still wanted Annie detained and he stated, Yeah, once Mr. Gaston has his little girl, then we'll detain her. A male voice in the background could be heard saying the same thing as if the unidentified male was telling Burkett what to say. A few minutes later, Gaston calls the dispatch center saying that he was trying to reach the sheriff, saying that he, Gaston, and the sheriff were, quote, working together tonight. Gaston stated he wanted the sheriff to call him. The dispatcher asked Gaston if he had any other information, and Gaston stated the ping was close to a lake and felt like Annie could be traveling to his ex-wife's house. Fourteen minutes after that call, the dispatcher called a Washington County deputy. So now we're involving another jurisdiction. The dispatcher relayed information that Annie was likely traveling to Jefferson County because Annie had a relative that was connected to a Jefferson County law enforcement officer. The deputy also stated that the last ping was in Jefferson County, so they were clear from assisting in Iron County. So now we're looking at three jurisdictions, Iron County, Washington, and Jefferson Counties. Another 15 minutes passed before the dispatcher contacted Sheriff Bur Burkett by phone and stated the most recent ping was located near Goldman Road in Jefferson County. The dispatcher said she looked up the directions to the Jefferson County officer and believed the phone ping was at his address. So again, Annie is driving to an officer that she knows through family connections in Jefferson County. She is allegedly seeking safe refuge from Gaston. At 9.25 p.m., Deputy Kozag contacted Washington County to have them enter a stop and hold on Annie and her vehicle. The stop and hold was entered into mules. At 9.54, the Washington County Dispatch contacted Jefferson County Dispatch and relayed information about the incident and that Annie's phone was pinging on Goldman Road. Jefferson County asked if a warrant for charges had been entered, and Jefferson County was told that a warrant application had been submitted to the Iron County prosecuting attorney, but charges had not been issued. At 10.22 p.m., the dispatch center called Sheriff Burkett on his cell phone and said, quote, Mr. Gaston is on his way up there. He is in DeSoto now and just turned on to H Highway. So he has to go Goldman Road to Sutton Road? The dispatcher then gives him directions. Burkett then relays the location of Annie to Gaston. Again, the sheriff of the county is divulging the whereabouts of a woman trying to leave a domestic situation to the very man the woman was trying to leave, a man who was described to have been physically aggressive. At 11.01 p.m., a Jefferson County sergeant contacted Washington County Dispatch following his contact with Annie and her children. Now, the PC statement does not list this Jefferson County Sergeant by name. 
but the sergeant reported he did a check the well-being as requested by Iron County and found no visible injuries to the woman or children. Again, Annie's okay, the kids are okay, no injuries, they're fine. Dispatch relays that information back to Burkett. The dispatcher tells Burkett that Jefferson County did not take Annie into custody, to which Burkett replies, Okay, that's fine. Well, they're going to have another issue because Gaston is on his way there. So this is how it ends in the probable cause statement. We don't know what's what happens next, but clearly the sheriff knew that sparks were about to fly. Okay, that's fine. Well, they're going to have another issue because Gaston is on his way there. This is obviously a combustible situation. So at midnight, this Jefferson County sergeant, the one who's not named, contacted dispatch and he said Sheriff Burkett hadn't contacted him, but Gaston had called him on his cell phone. And the Jefferson County deputy asked how Gaston could have gotten his cell phone number. I mean, the logical answer here is that Burkett had given it to Gaston. So again, this is what we know. We don't know what happened after that. The PC statement doesn't say, but it's a lot to unpack. So let me sum it up here. I've given you a lot of details, but let me just kind of review what we know. A man gets into an argument with a woman. He's noted to be physically aggressive on the phone call. They've heard banging metal noises in the background. The woman is telling the man to get out of her face. A teenage girl threatens to call the cops on the man if he touches Annie one more time. Deputies arrive. They split the man and woman up. Annie and the children leave. The next day, the woman asks deputies for an escort back to the property so she can retrieve some of her stuff. Gaston won't let her on the property, and she leaves again. Then later that day, three jurisdictions are pulled into what amounts to a manhunt of a mother who appears to be seeking refuge. The sheriff couldn't get the charges from the prosecutor, so instead he allegedly breaks the law to spy on and find the woman, and then gives the information to the man who was showing the violent tendencies. The idea was that they wanted to detain the mother so Gaston could take custody of his daughter. Without an arrest warrant, the PC statement paints a picture that the Iron County law enforcement officers were working hard attempting to use tax-supported resources in three counties to detain her anyway. In the process, they're accused of breaking several laws. They all face multiple felonies. All four men involved with this face some some interesting and multiple charges. Start with the sheriff. Burkett was charged with eight counts, including participating knowingly in criminal street gang activities, first degree attempted kidnapping, first degree stalking, second degree stalking, obtaining criminal history record info under false pretense, misusing 911, 
making a false report, and conspiracy to commit a Class ABC felony or unclassified felony exceeding 10 years. Deputy Major Bresnahan was charged with seven counts. Those include participating knowingly in criminal street gang activities, first-degree stalking, second-degree stalking, obtaining criminal history record info under false pretense, misusing 911, and two counts of conspiracy to commit a Class A, B, C felony or unclassified felony exceeding 10 years. Deputy Kozad faces six counts. Criminal street gang activity, first-degree stalking, second-degree stalking, misusing 911, two counts of conspiracy to commit a Class ABC felony or unclassified felony exceeding 10 years. And finally, Gaston was charged with six counts, participating knowingly in criminal street gang activities, attempted parental kidnapping, first-degree stalking, second-degree stalking, making a false report, conspiracy to commit a Class ABC felony or unclassified felony exceeding 10 years. They were all booked at the Washington County Jail. Burkett's bond was set at $500,000 cash only. For the rest of them, they all received a $400,000 cash only bond. Of course, this is a serious case all the way around, and these are serious charges. But the charge that has everyone talking is the participating knowingly in criminal street gang activities. And I'm sure you're thinking, as I did when I first heard this, that you're thinking about street gangs being like the Bloods and the Crips, you know, with, you know, certain colors and tattoos and signs and all that stuff. But that's not how the Missouri law defines criminal street gang activities. Here's how the law defines it. It's any person who actively participates in any criminal street gang with knowledge that its members engage in or have engaged in a pattern of criminal street gang activity and who willfully promotes, furthers, or assists in any felonious criminal conduct by gang members shall be guilty of a Class B felony. The law defines criminal street Street gang as any organization, association, or group of three or more persons, whether formal or informal, having as one of its motivating activities the commission of one or more of the criminal acts enumerated in subdivision two of this subsection. So then, then you go and you look at what are these crimes. Kidnapping is one of those crimes. The statutes then go on to define pattern of criminal street gang activity. And that is defined as the commission or attempted commission or solicitation of two or more offenses. And it goes on to list a bunch of different offenses. The uh, last of which is any dangerous felony as defined in another section. So you go to that section. Again, kidnapping is involved with that. So basically what you have to have here is just three or more people conspiring to commit a crime, and they basically call that a criminal street gang. Again, that's not how we necessarily think of a street gang. We're usually thinking inner city. This is very rural Missouri, but it meets it meets the definitions based on what's laid out in the probable cause statements. You have more than three persons. You have you know, the crime of attempted kidnapping, which is considered one of these um, violent 
descriptions. So we'll see if this one sticks. This is uh this is kind of really interesting and I would I would dare say even creative uh, charge here by the uh, arresting agency. So we'll see how it turns out. Beyond that, I don't have a lot of answers for you and I have tons more questions. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported that uh, Burkitt's attorney, a man named Gabe Crocker, said that small-town politicians in Iron County were hell-bent on taking the sheriff down. He said, quote, These charges are 100% politically motivated. It's simply another chapter in the long-term effort to remove the outsider sheriff, unquote. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about that. Um, it seems like the bulk of these charges probably stem from the Jefferson County deputy who was trying to help his relative or, or friend of a relative through this difficult period. Um, I mean, reading between the lines, it looks like this deputy knew the kids were safe and so was Annie. And he, I'm sure he was like, what the hell is going on here? Why did the sheriff put out these stop orders? And why does... Gaston have my cell phone number and how did they know where I lived and I don't know I'm just reading between the lines this is just an educated guess but it seems like that might be where things originated from and if that's the case that doesn't seem like it's politically motivated to me it's more personally motivated perhaps I mean I know that there are politics that come into play in law enforcement between jurisdictions I've seen that play out time and time again and law enforcement jurisdictions don't always play nice with one another. But regardless, this deputy doesn't fit the description of small-town politician hell-bent on taking down the sheriff. I mean, the witnesses in this case seem mostly like officers and dispatchers. I don't see any small-town politician being involved here. But who knows, maybe, maybe there's something they know that, that we don't. And that's very possible, you know, and this is a good time to point out that all of these officers and Mr. Gaston are, are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. The only excuse I can see for the sheriff is that, you know, maybe he was convinced that Annie really was trying to run off with the children. Maybe he believed Gaston when he shouldn't have. And maybe there was a court order, such as a divorce decree or something that stated to the effect that, you know, if she moves out of the county, she has to notify the father. We don't know. But even so, those are civil matters, not criminal ones. I mean, to our knowledge, there was no m missing person report filed by Gaston. If the belief was that Annie was kidnapping the children, there wasn't a missing person report filed. There wasn't, you know, anything that I'm aware of. But regardless of whether the sheriff believed Annie was kidnapping children or not, he didn't have the warrant to arrest this woman. I mean, it's willing, he, he seemed willing to break the rules and to lie to other law enforcement officers, which leads me to believe there, there seems to be something more at play here that we're just not seeing and understanding. So I think maybe there's just a situation here where Gaston knew the sheriff and the sheriff took his side on something. I don't know. Again, that's, that's me speculating here. You know, but it is disturbing about this use of surveillance technology, and it's only supposed to be used in dire circumstances. You know, the sheriff surely knew that. I'm sure the dispatchers knew this also, and they were probably confused. You know, they were being asked to ping these locations, but not 
given information about the urgency of the situation. So I don't know. None of this makes sense, except the sheriff maybe knew him personally. And maybe he knew Annie too. Maybe he really did think the children were in danger. But even if he did, everything should have absolutely shut down once the Jefferson County sergeant verified the children were safe and unharmed. The sheriff's been through quite a bit in the first two years of his term. Uh, not long ago, he was hospitalized with COVID, and his mugshot shows him with oxygen tubes going into his nose. I'm going to read you a post here from the Iron County Facebook page from January the 3rd. It says, Sheriff Burkett was presented the Law Enforcement Purple Heart by the Honorable Judge Michael Rendazzo. As most know, there was an outbreak of COVID in the Iron County Jail in January of 2022. Sheriff Burkett at the time was working countless hours from his office duties to patrolling the county. In hopes of working to that degree, he maintained to keep the COVID exposure down to a minimum. Unfortunately, he contacted COVID in the line of duty, which led to his four-month stay in the hospital. Three of those months were spent in the intensive care unit. Speaking for most that receive this award, it is definitely not something you aim to accomplish in one's career, but all of us at the Sheriff Department are forever grateful for the acknowledgement and award to a great sheriff. So that's the other side of it. I mean, not this particular incident, but here's a guy who, you know, made sacrifices on behalf of the county. You know, he's working hard. He's putting himself in, in harm's way to the point where he was hospitalized and in ICU with COVID. That's a serious situation. So we're left to wonder, was this a one-time incident, a one-time lack of judgment you know was it a situation where he thought it was very urgent and made some mistakes or is this something something else um i think only time will will tell on this for now per state statutes the coroner tim harbison has temporarily taken over the sheriff's department and now the sheriff's department is down three members, which is, according to its website, about one quarter of its deputy staff, which include part-timers. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported inmates have been removed from the county jail while the county is shorthanded. I'm your host, Bob Miller. Thank you for listening to The Lawless Files. The Lawless Files is a production of Lead Hound Publishing, LLC. It's hosted and produced by yours truly, Bob Miller. Music by Tyler Grafe. If you have information about this case you'd like to share, please go to our website, www.thelawlessfiles.com, and leave us a tip or find us on Facebook and leave us a message. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, 
Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.